Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Number 29 in the 2021 50 Most Relevant. Today is who we're talking about. And it's Tim Taranto. Hello, it is MJ from the Coaches Panel. Another bumper episode of the 50 Most Relevant. Joining me for this episode, fellow panellist Kane. Hello, mate. How you doing? Very well, MJ. You alluded to it yesterday. You said Mm -hmm. another giant. Do you think people were thinking it would be Tim Taranto at 29? Or do you think they thought he was maybe a week or two away? Well, I think it depends what format you choose to play. Is for super coaches, you might be thinking... What the heck are you talking about this lad for? While Dream Team and AFL fantasy coaches are going, bro, you're a week or two early. What are you doing? And there are reasons for such a divide across the fantasy community on their takes on Tim Taranto. Still just the 22 years old. What an incredible player he's been already. Uh, the midfielder had a pretty frustrating season for a variety of reasons last year. The positive force is he is priced much cheaper than he's been for a long, long time. Last year, his best score came against the Essendon Football Club in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. It was a 109, not an adjusted score, so there's some nice ceiling about him, even through three quarters of football. While it was a 126 in Supercoach against the Gold Coast Suns. The year prior, in 2019, that's where we're seeing some of his career high scores. It was a 156 against North Melbourne in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. A tasty 144 in Supercoach against Carlton. Even though it was a down year, they're actually not stinky averages. Like maybe there is that perception amongst the fantasy community. A 75 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. If you want to know what that is adjusted, that's the adjusted average of a 94. While in Supercoach, it's an 84.4. In that format, he is priced quite nicely for us. If you think he can just pop that average back towards 2019 and above, it's a 453.700 is what you're going to be paying for. While he's just over 715 thousand in afl fantasy and just under 700k in dream team and after a career season in 2019 came there was a lot of love that timmy taranto could take it to the next level and become an uber premium in dream team and fantasy crack that 110 average in super coach but unfortunately the only thing that went crack in the preseason was his shoulder against the sydney swans and it could have ruled him out for the whole season had it not been for the covid break Yeah, again, he had a phenomenal 2019 season. It was the classic breakout. He was even one of the few guys in that, you know, grand final pummeling against Richmond that stood up. So there was a lot of people thinking, this guy ticks all the boxes. Like if we just look at that 2019 season, the way he did it, Mm. going at 28 disposals, five marks, six tackles and a goal every second game, you throw in the kick to handball ratios, you know, really nice. It's about 1.5 kicks to handballs. And on the flip side, that sort of does hurt his super coach because a lot yeah. of those kicks are, you know, under extreme pressure and they often are turnovers. But, you know, he's a bull. That's his job is to get the ball forward, get it moving. And as a result, he doesn't get any attention, especially when you've got a Josh Kelly, Stephen Kelio when he's up and about, Toby Green in the forward line, Lockie Whitfield, Whitfield yeah. Zach Williams in the past. So people thought this is just a guy that's just going to get the ball he tackles, he can get it on the inside outs. Like it's just the beautiful DT 
even type of game. And as you mentioned, he just never really got off the ground because that shoulder injury, you know, restricted him, albeit to 11 games, which at one point in any other season might have been barely any. Yeah. The thing that – let's just do Supercoach first, NJ, because I think the whole conversation is going to be easier when we rule out that format. All right. I, I, I don't think he is relevant in Ooh. a sense that I don't see him scaling the heights of these elite midfielders. There is well, definitely – 110 elite. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm saying that. Yeah, because in that 2019 season, look, he did increase his average in Supercoach up 14 points up to that 102, finished um, inside the top 25 for total points that year, Um, did manage a couple of 130-plus scores, I think four 130-plus scores uh, across that year, 13 tonnes. Um, you know, it is solid, good final series, that 143 on grand final day, 124-109. So it certainly has got potential to be there, but probably what hurts him in contrast to his dream team and fantasy numbers is because he's a first-touch player, because he's winning the ball at the coalface, efficiency is not normally the name of the game with Tim Taranto, is it? It's win it, farm it out, get it out to those outside guys in and under the hot contest. Yeah, well, there's usually a few things, MJ, with those contested other players. Contested and supercoach, usually you think gravy. You'd, you'd actually think they're going to be better at supercoach than DT. Mm. You can't be, though, with a kick-to-handball ratio that Tim Taranto has. Yeah. But when you're a locky Neal, and again, even he's actually evened it out last year, which was part of the reason he had such a big jump. But True. If you're in tight and you're giving off the hands to that first received player, a lot easier, a lot easier of a skill execution, a lot easier for it to, at the very worst, just be ineffective. Yeah. If you want to be a kick player like Tim Taranto is in a contest, yeah, it is like Brad Crouch. It is, yeah. I'm just going to get it forward. I'm going to hack it forward. Yeah. And again, you get a lot of clangers. You get a lot of, and again, it's not the clanger in terms of a skill kick. It's just you've hacked it forward and it's been intercepted by the opposition. Totally. Like that's just the way he plays. It's bullocking. Again, it's not the, Bontempelli out of a stoppage, someone lace out, score involvement. And as a result, especially when the game's um, a little bit gone, yeah. he doesn't get benefited for that. He the doesn't get isn't there. Exactly. The, the, the players well, that. Last you year, you know, you look at his super coach score again. We'll talk about Dream Team and Fantasy, both 2020 and 2019. Look, that average of 84, three tons. And, and there's some decent. Numbers in there, there's that 126 that I mentioned against Gold Coast, 111 the round before against Richmond. Um, a, a few weeks later, about a month later, it was a 107 against Fremantle. But what hurts him is that scoring variation because there's multiple games sub 70 just last year. In fact, four of them are sub 70. Now, I've got some questions about the way he was used in that game in terms of the amount of midfield time he's got. But that's what's hurting him, isn't it? Is his good games, he's not 150s. In Supercoach, his bad games, because of that efficiency and the way he uses the ball, they are really, really quite marked down. Yeah, and again, MJ, because he's so contested, it's not clean, flowing, no. a lot of score involvement. Like, it is – it's a really important job what he does. Like, bullocking the ball out is a really important job. Yeah. But in Supercoach, especially when weightings come around, ball use and what it, and what it results in – Hurts him. It's just it's just his game. Again, we we love it in DT because he gets so much of the footy and he gets it forward. But again, look at last year, MJ. His kicking efficiency is forty three percent. Yeah, like it's in the below average 
in the competition. His overall disposal efficiency, 59%. Like he doesn't get into set possession. It's, no. Again, it's, it's one of those things that if you want to kick out of a stoppage like that, it is really, really hard. And that's why, again, and the flip side of that is because he's kicking, mm. he's getting more DT points. And if they're inefficient, there's going to be that separation. Whereas if you're a handball player, you're only getting two points in DT. But often, totally. you know, it's, it's a clearance. It's a contested possession. It's an effective disposal. Like, so it sort of works both ways. Like if he became yeah. more of a super coach player, it probably wouldn't change too much because his DT would actually drop down. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, because again, it's what he does. He gets on the boot, takes territory, backs up contest after contest. He's that type of guy. So for me, super coach, I don't see him scaling those heights because yeah. to be a 110 guy, you know, I feel he has to be a 120 DT guy. Mm. And I don't see that happening. Do you have a totally different opinion, MJ? Do you think he can scale the heights of a top? 10 I'll, I'll even go to top 15 if he can get 105 well, i can probably see him getting 105 if, i don't think he can get 110 and i think i don't think he can price, go 110 in super coach i think 105 is possible um i, I think that really is that enough really is at it. 20 points upside yeah look and and there's there's growth in him as just as naturally as a footballer like he's just the 22 years old so so that part of his game can improve and as we saw last year with Lockie neal he made some amendments to his game to get there but to tell that story as the core reason you pick him in Supercoach. Again, we've barely talked about Dream Team and Fantasy. We'll get to that in a second. But to tell that story, you need to see a lot change in the way he goes about that preseason game and the way that GWS Giants midfield structures, the way they're structured, they actually want that from him. They want him just surging the ball forward and then they want the class and the skill of guys like Whitfield coming uh, even Cornelio is quite a good user Kelly of course is probably the Rolls Royce of that entire midfield unit so so they probably don't need him to become that so I, I think at his peak he's a 105 super coach guy now that could be enough at that price point but we do have some guys we talked about one of them yesterday in Jackson Haitley if let's say Taranto's your 100 guy and Haitley's your 90 guy you probably think you know what I'll take the guy that's a hundred odd K cheaper. And I reckon I might be able to make up that 10 points a game for a guy that I could turn. So, so that's the interesting dilemma. Well, the other for thing, MJ, with what you're comparing when you're in the range that Taranto's in, yeah, there is no a hundred K to make and step out. If you're, no, he's if got he makes a hundred K Taranto, he's done his job. You're yeah. keeping him. Yeah. If he stagnates now, all of a sudden, it becomes one of those things where you go, well, I, I can't really afford to get rid of him because I want to be doing other trades. I want to be getting rookies off the field. So I think it's one of those guys where, again, he's underpriced clearly. No, you know, He's better than 84 in Supercoach. I just think with what I've got around him, I reckon I can find guys that are 15, 20 points elsewhere yeah. that are more likely to be guys that I'm happy to keep the whole year. Look, you, you really need a, a really strong five-week stretch from him to open up the year. And I want to get your thoughts on his fixture soon enough. The best five-week stretch he's ever had was back in 2019 in Supercoach where he went 136, 96, 104, 144, 132. Now that's dominant GWS. So he, he's got to pop a lot. We, look, we've talked a lot about his Supercoach. Yep. Let's look at what he can do in his dream team in AFL Fantasy. And this is where he's way more formats. relevant. 
where he really flies. We want to look at that 2019 season. That year, he was the fourth highest total point scorer for the season. Yes, Callum Ward going down injured certainly meant that he took on greater midfield responsibility, but it was only Grundy, Trelaw and McRae that scored more than him. From the 22 games that year, he had 15 tons and seven of them over 130. Even last year, he averaged an adjusted average of 94 multiple tons, two tons, a couple other 90 plus scores. And there were three games that really, when you go back and look at the footage and you look at some of the data, he had minimal CBAs. He had 15 possessions or less in three games last year. That's very untaranto like There was even talk amongst some amongst the fantasy community that he might pick up DPP and AFL fantasy heading towards their last allocation of DPPs. And so there was a, a potential there that he wasn't, clearly playing through the midfield. Um, That's the thing is I think GWS have to drastically change something. Things did not go their way last year. That midfield mix amongst a lot of other things didn't work. And when you think, how are GWS going to get back? And I want to get your thoughts, like I said, on how they start and what that could mean if he has a hot start in terms of points for him. There is no way GWS bounce back without, in my opinion, Taranto and Kelly as two of the core leaders of that midfield. And I think Cornelio is probably the third taking that extra role. Yes, they've got green. They want to get time into. Yes, they've got Hopper who does take some stoppage moments away from them. But if GWS are going to return back to finals, it's got to be off the back of those three players taking a lot of midfield role and rotation. And if that happens, which I believe it will, I think GWS bounced back in 2021. We should see an upward trajectory of score for Taranto, which means in Dream Team and Fantasy, there's some value for us. Because if Kane, he starts well and the Giants start well, man, this guy, he could be that flyer that gets us off to a great start. Well, MJ, he's the 20, he was the best and fairest player at the Giants in the year they made the grand final Yeah, in 2019. So let's yeah. not forget that. Like, one, it was his third season. Yeah. You mentioned all the guys that he was competing against for that prestigious honour, and he took it out. Yeah. He was that good. And again, you don't have to worry about efficiency in DT. Nope. And he's a guy that gets the ball, tackles, marks, and can go forward and kick goals. So this is why I wanted to separate it because he is so, so relevant in these formats. Like yeah. in AF, he's priced at 94. Yeah. You go, he just goes up 10. You're happy with a 105, 104 yeah, you as your, as your M8. And you've alluded to the, to the start. I looked at his scores in, in wins and losses. And when he plays, and it could, is it vice versa? We spoke about this with Bontempelli. Yeah. Is Taranto playing well, the reason the Giants win, or when the Giants win, Taranto gets on the end of the ball. Like sure. doesn't really matter to us as fans yeah. coaches, but <laughs> If we look at, if we just go to 2019, sure. 13 wins in the home and away season for the Giants. Taranto went at 120. Cool. Nine losses, 101. So it's a plus 19. If we convert his, you know, DT by the 1.25 we've all sure. been doing to stay on the same page as best we can. In 2020, five wins, he went at 108.5. Six losses, 82. Wow. So if you think about it, that's 26 points differential. Again, you look at the fixture MJ to start the season. They've got Saints at home, Dockers away, Demons at home, Pies away, Swans away, Dogs at home, Crows away, Bombers at home. If 
the Giants won all eight of those games. Would you really be shocked at the name? Again, Saints are obviously finals. I think a lot of people have the Dockers on the rise. Melbourne, you know, clearly wants to be in the mix. Pies are always around the mix. You yeah. know, Sydney's got some, like, they're all probably, again, at this point in the season, yeah, you could paint a picture, they go either way. You know, all these yeah, teams yeah. have good players, but at the same time, so do the Giants. And I think you're going to find out pretty quick and there's going to be a lot of pressure on Leon Cameron and a lot yeah. of the key players at the club if they start poorly. So I think of the first eight, like I'd be confident that the Giants can win minimum five, yeah, if not six. Mm. And if we see Tim Taranto's got about a 20 to 25 point DT differential in wins, phew, that's the type of guy that not only you know, is a keeper for the year, but could genuinely start the season in the first eight weeks as you know, back to the Mandela being a top five midfielder. And there's yep. captaincy ceiling there as well. So while it's hard at this point to say they can win this game, they can win that game. Again, if you have any faith in the Giants bouncing back as a team, mm. if you think that 2020 was just an aberration and everything went against them, because yeah. if you look at the previous years, they're almost the first team you put alongside Richmond to make the finals. If you're saying this team yeah. will be in the eight and you did a confidence meter, Outside of 2020, it was the Tigers and the Giants that you thought yeah, would be prime, in that yeah. mix. So, again, I think they're all winnable games, very winnable games, especially with them, um, you know, prior to last year being super dom- dominant at home, which obviously was stripped away from most teams outside of the Queensland teams for yeah. much of last year. So, I think there's a lot of things ticking the boxes for Taranto. He's underpriced, yep. shown that he's a genuine top eight mid, even yep. inside of that, if everything goes his way. There's no tag. Nope. And I agree. He's underpriced, not only in the fact that he had shoulder reconstruction yeah. and still played, but he actually didn't have his normal role. And was no. that as a result of the shoulder reconstruction? You know, there was a host of different reasons, but what does help him is it didn't work having him out of that midfield. No. And again, was Leon, Leon Cameron handcuffed by the fact that Taranto wasn't 100% Physically fit? up to it, yeah. Maybe. But I agree. They can't go with what they went last year because, no. frankly, it just didn't work. No. No, it, it didn't work, and, and that's going to be the key thing. Watch what that midfield mix and rotation looks like throughout the preseason. Look for what we hear the noise coming out of GWS. What what are the amount of those inside types that are playing through there? How much of Hopper, Green, and Ward are also getting those midfield opportunities? Taranto, look, he can win it on the outside as well, but where do they really want him? They want him at the bottom of the packs, at stoppages, at clearances, surging that ball forward, and I think that's exactly where he's going to be. I've got him locked in AFL fantasy. I I think in that format, we need value in all formats this year, but in AFL fantasy value is the name of the game. And you've got a guy who's got potentially 15 points, maybe up to 20 points per game of value built into him. So I, I think if he gets anything like I forecast his midfield role, he's a lock for me. Dream team. I'm trying to find a way to structure him in, but I really want to look a way of getting him in. I think and I will. And look, super coach, we've talked about it. If someone said, I want to start him, look, I probably wouldn't try to talk him out of it because I, I understand why they go there, but I just don't think he's going to be the guy that can surge past the one Oh fives. And I think I'd get a little bit more money. Let's put it this way in contrast. He's 70 K more expensive than Patrick Cripps. I, I know if that's the dilemma, I'm choosing the proven 118 guy and saving the cash, even though he's the number one target. So that's what I'd do with that. But where he goes in drafts, 
Oh, this is an interesting one for me because 12 months ago, again, pre-injury, he would have been a first round, early second round in Dream Team and Fantasy, probably a little bit later on in, in Supercoach. Would you reach for him as an M2? Because I don't think you have to pay an M1 rate for him in Dream Team and Fantasy this year. Would you reach to get him at an M2? Or would you hope in Dream Team and Fantasy he slides to be an early M3? Or is Kane at that point, you're risking not getting him? Yeah, I think you're risking not getting him, MJ, if you think he's an M3. Yeah. Um, Again, he's probably only an M3 if you're using, honestly, yeah, if you're using your first three picks to be mids. Yeah. Like that's the only way, like in terms of ranking them, I, I have him in that second round range. So that's, yeah. you know, that puts him between 11 and 20. So really typically with, especially with how deep the other lines are this year, and we keep speaking about this, but it is that important. I feel like midfield is a line where people go, I sort of like all these guys yeah. about the same. So for me, he feels like a guy that's probably fourth round. Yeah. Um, now, how that structures up in terms of your position, again, it's probably more dependent on what else is coming through. I think there's, again, a tier of probably six forwards off the top of my head. I think there's a clear three backs. Yeah. There's obviously the two key rucks. And I think the third ruck in Riley O'Brien's a guy that you'd be considering around this round also. So mm-hmm. um, to be honest, you're probably just looking at what's happening in your draft. Because I think he's that type of guy. If, if there's a massive run on all the other lines and midfield's not really going well i'd probably like to just cash in on another um forward back or potentially a ruck if it's one of the ones i really like and just going i can throw a blanket over these 15 guys because the range for me is um it's probably is about 110 i think is that's your your best case scenario for taranto i just think that 2019 was such a good year Mm. like it was such a good year that um it's a big ask to get back to that like not many guys Not go many 110 MJ. So yeah. I think 110 is about your best. I think 100 is about your worst. I agree. So when you put it in that sort of pack um, and you go through the list with the midfielders, like, you know, he's going head-to-head with the Bomb and Pelly. He's yep. going head-to-head with the Sam Walsh in this realm. Patrick Cripps in some people's minds will be fitting that category. Yeah. You know, some people have Trelaw regressing. Some people, like... There's so many guys, I think, that are in that type of tier. Again, depending who you speak to, Lockie Neal's in this range. So for me, I'm just sort of going to let the midfielders come to me. I'd I'd rather go Lloyd Whitfield-Laird, you know, if danger's fit, side bottom, Dunkley, Grundy, Gorn, and, you know, maybe even Raul O'Brien at this point with just the drop away. And I just think there's so many guys even keel MJ again, if Toronto fell to me and it's the fourth round and he's my, you know, M2, if he's my M1 and I've nailed, you know, my back and and the other ends, I just think there's so many guys that we don't have much confidence in, in the midfield that are all sort of this range um, that I don't feel like I'm banging the table for Toronto. Yeah. Um, So for me, I'm probably a guy I'm looking at in, yeah, the fourth round at earliest for mine. Yeah, I think so. And look, in Supercoach, I don't have him ranked inside my top 30 mids in Supercoach. Um, so look, maybe he's your M3 in that format. If, like you said, you've gone heavier in the other lines, that's okay. But um, M4 is probably where I'd feel most comfortable with him or M3. If I've gone really heavy in the forwards, 
um, or the defensive line or locked away one of those top tier rucks, then I'd feel a little bit more confident with him at M3. But you're probably, because I do see him as at best a 105 guy, even just based off last year's hundreds, there's like 36, 37 guys that averaged 100 that are midfield eligible. I know some have got DPP allocated to it, but I just don't see even a great year from Taranto in Supercoach, him quite comfortably cracking that 100 average to really make me confident to pick him as an M3 ahead of others. So yeah, look, M3 at the earliest in that format, M4 is probably the most comfortable, but at that point in the draft, I'm probably going to, have someone jump ahead of him um, based on some, maybe some preseason hype. So that's where I'm, I'm thinking about him uh, Kane in super coach. Uh, appreciate your thoughts today, mate, as we've talked about Timmy Taranto. No problem. Look, he's one of my favorite players because in keeper leagues, I'll, I'll tell you this much in keeper leagues. I'm a big rap on Timmy Taranto. He's 22 and he's had a 110 plus year and an injury impacted year. Our Patreons know this, but the general public don't last year. I told our Patreons I rated Tim Taranto as my number one target in a brand new keeper league. Ahead of Grundy, ahead of Mitchell, ahead of McRae, that's where I rated him last year. Now, that was last year. Would I still pick him there? Maybe not. But I think he's one of the best keeper league prospects for you to go out and get. So don't hear doubt that this guy is going to be an absolute superstar. I think he's going to be one of the best fantasy players for a real long time, especially in dream team and fantasy. And if I'm in a keeper league with you and you own Tim Taranto, I'll be sending you a direct message at some point in the next couple of days. Hey, Kane, appreciate your thoughts today on him. No worries, MJ. Enjoyed it. If you want to go and check out the article, uh, there's plenty of stuff in there that we haven't talked about through this episode. It is online now for you, coachespanel.tv. All the other players revealed so far, they have been uh, listed for you to check out and it is the place to go to join that Patreon group that I told you about where there is exclusive content like that Keeper Leagues, a bunch of other articles, hidden group access, uh, exclusive live chats and a bunch of other stuff as well as getting these podcast episodes a little bit earlier than everybody else. Your links for that, that's at coachespanel.tv. Well, we're into the 20s of the 50 most relevant, almost halfway. Who's at 28? Tell you about them tomorrow.